Welcome back to Corruption of Child Protective Services. I am your humble host, David Shore. Before I start this program, I would just like to say thank you for all my loyal listeners. I do appreciate you listening. If it wasn't for you, I'd just be a person just talking to himself. You listen. And I would also like to say a special thanks. I watched the debate. And, well, there's someone who I also want to thank. Let's see if I can get this person's name out. Well, sorry. But, uh, it was one of the people that was actually Mr. I believe his name is Rainwater. And he's running for governor. And one of the other opponents. If these two gentlemen or anybody from their campaign is listening to this podcast, thank you for bringing up the reality of what's going on with DCS. Governor Holcomb has his head in the sand or up his ass. He only wants to look at the positives. Oh, look how well we're doing here. Oh, look, we adopted more kids. Mr. Rainwater or Coldwater, I believe you had said, and your opponent also had said, that, hey, let's focus more on less adoptions and keeping families together. Thank you. And, you know, we don't have too many more days We have four days until the election. Well, Governor Holcomb and Ms. Stigdon, there are now three lawsuits in a year. What is that third lawsuit? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing from the person who filed the third lawsuit. You see, they withheld evidence, and that's a Brady violation under Brady v. Maryland. But obviously, DCS doesn't like that. I will get into the second lawsuit soon enough. But this episode, at least this segment, is going to go on the Idea Improvement Act of 2004, 18 United States Code 1415 Procedural Safeguards. Now, Idea stands for Individuals with Disabilities Education Improvement Act. So, I'm going to read it as it is written. It's under B, types of procedures. The procedures required by this section shall include the following. One, an opportunity for the parents of a child with a disability to examine all records related to such child and to participate in meetings with respect to the identification, evaluation, and educational placement of the child and the provision of a free, appropriate public education to such child and to obtain an independent educational evaluation of the child. 2A. Procedures to protect the rights of the child whenever the parents of the child are not known. The agency cannot, after reasonable efforts, locate the parents or the child is a ward of the state, including the assignment of an individual to act as a surrogate for the parents, which surrogate 
shall not be an employee of the state educational agency, the local educational agency, or any other agency that is involved in the education or care of the child. Now, Ms. Digden, I'm going to read this next part because you may argue about this. The next part reads, in the case of I, a child who is a ward of the state, such surrogate may alternatively be appointed by the judge overseeing the child's care provided that the surrogate meets the requirements of this paragraph and I, I, an unaccompanied homeless youth as defined in sections 11434A, paragraph 6 of Title 42, the local educational agency shall appoint a surrogate in accordance with this paragraph. Now remember, and I'm going to read the part once again to A, procedures to protect the rights of the child whenever the parents of the child are not known. The agency cannot after reasonable efforts locate the parents or the child is a ward of the state including the assignment of an individual to act as a surrogate for the parents which surrogate shall not be an employee of the state educational agency the local educational agency or any other agency that is involved in the education or care of the child. That means that anyone in Child Protective Services cannot be a surrogate. If they do, that is a violation of 18 United States Code 1415 Procedural Safeguards 2A. Parents, especially those of special needs children, physically handicapped, mentally handicapped, autistic, all the way down to extreme retardation. Know this. Know who your foster parents are going to be for your children. Find a way in which your children can be with family instead of the state. Now, I bring this up because there was an article. And yes, you're going to say, well, that's what you read from. But this is from February 11th of this year. Crime and Tragedy Parenting by Andrew Krieger. Now, these are 25 celebrities who have been investigated by CPS and dealt with major custody drama. The first one was actor Brooke Muller. She was married to Charlie Sheen from 2008 to 2011. You remember Charlie Sheen, Uncle Charlie from Two and a Half Men? And the couple had twins together named Bob and Max. In 2013, the L.A. County Department of Children and Family Service removed the twins from Brooke's home over concerns with Brooks' ongoing struggle with substance abuse. After the children were taken, Charlie's ex-wife, Denise Richards, offered to take the kids. Luckily, 
Brooke regained custody of her boys a year later in 2014. Of course, there's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. You remember them. They shared six children together. They had three adopted children. They also had three biological children together. It says shortly after the paperwork was found, the Brad was investigated for an incident that happened on a private plane with his son Pax. Just days after the investigation was opened, it was closed because no signs of abuse were found. I'm going to hit one more, and I think you're going to see a pattern developing. Next one was adult actor Janine Lindermulder. Now, you probably know who this person is. Personally, I don't know because, well, I don't watch that too many adult movies. But the person gained notoriety during her custody battle with Jesse James of West Coast Choppers. And you don't want me to get on uh, that. Because remember, he was with Sandra Bullock, if you remember. He had started dating her. At the end of that... Unfortunately, Janine landed herself back in jail and Jesse ended up with full custody of their kid. But hey, wow. Celebrities ending up with their kids. At least you're able to see your children. Most of us don't even get that opportunity. When we return, I will start telling you a cheerful story. You're going to love this story when you hear it. And also, there's some not-so-cheerful stories. But let me just say this. When you hear what I'm going to say, when I get to the lawsuits, you will see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And for CPS, and especially Indiana DCS, that light is heading them straight to a jail cell or at least a federal investigation. We'll be back. And we are back. As promised, I'm going to read something that's going to put a smile to your face. All right. This is from parentalrightsfoundation.org, dated October 28th of this year. The title is going to put a smile to your face. It says, Another Texas Family Victory. It reads, Should parents be investigated for physical abuse because they put their baby down for a nap and the baby cried? One Texas judge said yes requiring the parents to submit to a search of their home and forensic interviews with their children. But on October 14, the Court of Appeals for the 12th District of Texas reversed that decision. Parental Rights Foundation President Jim Mason, in his role as Vice President of Litigation for Homeschool Legal Defense Association, HSLDA, served as legal counsel in his victory for families. 
I told you I had good news. Isn't it good to finally get good news? Okay, let's see. Court ordered home invasion. Okay, I know. You're going to go, oh man, do we have to hear this? But, hey, you got to hear the good with the bad. Here's the story. On August 17, Jessica Tolberg of the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services went to the home of Matthew and Tabitha Behrman to investigate an allegation of child abuse or neglect. You know, whenever I... uh, I should have the music for... uh, you know, Darth Vader's death, uh, Darth Vader's march. Nah, nah, nah. Every time I talk about uh, D- uh, CPS. The report, let's go on. The report alleged that the parents placed their infant daughter on the floor in a closet and left her to cry <coughs> excessively until she fell asleep. How many of us parents and even our parents did the same thing? That's abuse now? (coughs) Tolberg visited the home and met Tabitha, who would not let her in the door. Good girl, good woman, that Tabitha. Yes, the family was using a large walk-in closet, equipped with baby monitors and appropriate furnishings as a nursery for the new baby. And they did sometimes place her on a blanket on the floor to nap. But since Tolberg had no other allegations than these, Tabitha saw no reason to subject her other children, her husband, or herself to a full-fledged investigation. In other words, hey, she didn't have to have let him in the house, and she did exactly that. Instead... The mother brought her baby outside for the investigator to see that there was no, were no bruises or other marks of abuse on her body. Well, if the investigators saw that, ladies and gentlemen, I bet that that should have been it. Unsatisfied, Tolberg left and went to family court judge Tim Womack for an order. Tolberg is like that. Jessica Tolberg. What? Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, daddy. Jeez. Wah, wah, wah. They can't get their way, so they go to a judge. In her report, she outlined the details listed here and the fact that Tabitha would not let her in the family home to continue her investigation. Well, guess what? Tabitha didn't have to. She requested an order from the court that would require that the Berrymans let Tolberg in the home, that they let her interview their children individually and without their parents around, and, should it prove necessary, that they let her transport the Berryman children to and from any forensic interviews. Folks, that's where also the Hatch letter comes in. But you can check on that. But chances are, if you're at your home, just telling them, hey, you're not interviewing them. Not without a court order or a warrant. But hey, let's continue this. 
on no other allegation than that the parents put their infant daughter on the floor in a closet to sleep. Judge Tim Womack granted Tolbert's request and issued an order for the family to comply with her investigation. Hey, Judge Womack, you know, if you're going for reappointment of the bench, my personal belief is maybe it's time for you to retire, go to Florida, play golf, do that, go fishing, do something. But get CPS, pull them out of your ass, or you pull yourself out of their ass. Fighting back. Here we go, folks. But the Berrymans had already been in touch with Jim Mason and his team at HSLDA. They replied quickly to Womack's order, filing for an injunction to stay the order. When that was denied, they filed for the writ of mandamus with the 12th Court of Appeals. You see, if you, as soon as you get it denied, you kick it to the appellate court. As you can plainly see. Well, let's go on. Let's see how this goes. That court suspended the order until they could review it. And on October 14, returned their ruling in the family's favor. The appeals court found that Judge Womack had abused his discretion as a judge when he issued the order compelling the Berrymans to comply with Tolberg's baseless investigation. Folks, I will read that again. For your benefit, the appeals court found that Judge Womack had abused his discretion as a judge when he issued the order compelling the Berrymans to comply with Tolberg's baseless investigation. Another victory for families. This is what I'm talking about. They fought and they won. Let's look. First, the court took issue with the fact that Tolberg had classified the contact as a priority one intake, meaning one in which the child appears to face an immediate risk of abuse or neglect that could result in death or serious harm. Emphasis original. Like us, the court saw no conceivable way that putting the baby down for a nap on a blanket on the floor could result in death or serious harm. You know, the Court of Appeals saw, hey, wait a minute. They had a blanket. They had a baby monitor. They did everything you were supposed to do. So where is the harm? Quote, nor do Tabitha's... Alleged actions standing alone meet the definition of abuse or neglect. Unquote, the court continued. And this was the heart of the case. It was not necessary to prove or disprove the allegations against the family. Even if the allegations were true, they were neither neglect nor abuse. So, why should the family be under investigation and forced to allow the state to intrude into their home? The court pointed out that it is common for parents to put an infant on a blanket on the floor for a nap and that many parents believe in letting their babies cry. Okay, 
this next part I want people to pay very close attention to. And I will read it slowly. The court even cited publications by the Department of State Health Services, one of which was co-authored by the Department of Family and Protective Services, that advised parents to employ these practices. Oh, wow. So they... Well, they co-authored it. And then they say, oh, that's abuse. Anybody else looking like the RCA dog, have its head tilted and going, what? And there is no law against converting a large closet into a small nursery. Oh, wow. But CPS in Texas, oh, well. That the department or a trial court may disapprove is insufficient to overcome a parent's fundamental right to make decisions regarding her children's care, custody, and control. The court added, citing the U.S. Supreme Court case Troxel v. Granville, a 2000 case. I had mentioned about that case previous, and if I haven't, please look it up. It's T-R-O-X-E-L-V-G-R-A-N-V-I-L-L-E 530-US-57-66-2000 When we return, I will finish with this and we'll touch on those lawsuits. We will be back. And we are back. Now let's just continue. Another win for parents. This case is a win for parents because it upholds family privacy and the Fourth Amendment. It preserves the fact that one must have evidence or at the very least a credible allegation of actual abuse or neglect before the government can force its way into a family home or insert itself between a parent and her children. In this case, the department had neither, and the appeals court was willing to call them on it and require a correction. Another appeals court, Indiana Appeals Court, has done it three or four times or more. Now a Texas appeals court. This is catching on. While the Parental Rights Foundation, as an organization, did not weigh in on this case, it nevertheless represents another victory for parents and what has been a successful year. From our earlier amicus brief in the Supreme Court of Texas supporting a father's parental rights to our interventions in New York and Oregon to remove innocent names from child abuse registries, We continue to support parental rights wherever they and the children they are ultimately protect are at risk. Now, if you want, it says thank you as always for standing with us. Please consider making a donation. ParentalRightsFoundation.org slash donate today to support the vital mission of protecting children by empowering innocent parents all over the county. 
and says, Sincerely, Michael Ramey, Executive Director. Please, if you can, go there. I'll tell you right now, the more fighting we do, the more afraid they get. But hey, I told you about the lawsuits. So, you know about the one with the Indiana Department of Child Services that they uh, have a lawsuit currently going on about, uh, well, here it is. It's from May 18th of this year. Judge allows lawsuit against Indiana Child Welfare Agency. That's www.wbiw.com. Indianapolis. A child advocacy group is praising a federal judge's decision that allows most of a lawsuit to move forward accusing Indiana Child Welfare Agency of inadequately protecting thousands of children in its care. Now I'm going to say one thing right now. I watched the gubernatorial debate and Governor Holcomb and Ms. Stigdon and I do apologize if I keep doing that, but I want to make emphasis on this. But I think they should know that praising all the kids being adopted out is not a good thing. The U.S. District Court Judge Richard Young's Wednesday ruling allows two of three counts to go forward in the lawsuit which was filed last July against the Indiana Department of Child Services. The Journal-Gazette reported, The suit alleges that DCS doesn't protect 22,000 children with open child welfare cases, including more than 14,000 in out-of-home care. I don't care about you. don't care what they say, DCS says. That is way too many children. This is a great victory for the children of Indiana, says Marsha Robinson Lowry, the attorney for A Better Childhood, one of two child advocacy groups that joined the law firm Kirkland and Ellis in suing the state agency on behalf of nine foster children. If you have a child in foster care and that child has been stating to you some form of abuse or if you suspect it, Get a hold of Kirkland and Ellis or A Better Childhood. DCS spokeswoman Noel Russell said Friday that the state agency would have no immediately com- immediate comment on the judge's ruling. Wow. No comment? Boy, oh boy, aren't we surprised. Okay, the lot of allegations including include many of the children unnecessarily languishing in foster care for years before they are reuni- reunified with their primary caretakers are adopted or age out of the system. The delays caused, caused by DCS inflict further emotional trauma, it added. The case can now proceed to the discovery phase and a potential trial if a settlement is not reached. Federal courts have a duty to decide cases before them. 
Sometimes they refrain from exercising jurisdiction when doing so would interfere with ongoing state proceedings or would upset state court judgments. But those exceptions are just that, exceptions, Young wrote. Federal courts cannot refuse to entertain cases even when the subject matter involves parallel state court proceedings. This case tests the limits. Now, what I'm about ready to tell you is another one. And trust me, when I just came across this. In fact, I came across it yesterday. It's from parentalrightsfoundation.org. Oh, <laughs> sorry, folks. Uh, I've got so many things to tell you, it's not even funny. It's actually from the Indie Star. Sorry about that. I do apologize. But this is very important. Go to IndieStar.com, September 22nd, 2020. Family files $3 million lawsuit against DCS alleging kids removed from home under false pretenses. Holly V. Hayes. An Indianapolis couple is suing the Indiana Department of Child Services, alleging the agency removed their two children, young children from their home under false pretenses and fabricated evidence that left them in foster care for months. The lawsuit, filed in a U.S. District Court on Tuesday, says the agency first became involved with the family in late 2018 after receiving reports that the father had allegedly sexually abused the daughter. In the months that followed, the lawsuit argues the agency presented false evidence in court that led to the continued disruption of the family unit and traumatization of the children, only to have the allegations dropped just days before a fact-finding hearing in the case. In other words, they'd have to present their evidence, and they had absolutely nothing. The allegations of abuse, the family said, are untrue, and there is no evidence supporting the supposed substantiation of those allegations as presented by DCS. The suit demands a jury trial and $3 million in damages from the agency due to violations of their first, fourth, and 14th Amendment rights and the Americans with Disabilities Act. Wow. And, and the Idea Improvement Act is under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Throughout the investigation, the family argues DCS was acting only on those allegations and refused to acknowledge or explore any exculpatory evidence they were presented. The lawsuit also alleges the agency refused to comply with a judge's directive allowing for unsupervised visitation with the children at Christmas time, despite a therapist's recommendation they be allowed to do so. Grieving really hard, Westfield runner, oh, sorry, the entire premise for removing the children from the family home was false. Attorney Tom Blessing said at a Tuesday press conference announcing the lawsuit. It was based on a lie. Wow, Miss Stigden. <laughs> Isn't this something? 
but hey, we're not supposed to listen to any of that. Indy Star is not identifying the couple in effort to avoid identifying their minor children. That's okay. When we come back, I will continue with this and the lawsuit itself. We'll be back. We are back. Okay, let's continue with this. Now, in a statement shared with IndyStar, DCS spokespersons did not comment on the case or confirm the agency's involvement with the family. (laughs) Wow. Just like in the last one, the class action suit. Isn't that amazing, ladies and gentlemen? Now, the lawsuit itself. According to the complaint, the family was visited by a case manager and three Indianapolis police officers the evening of October 27, 2018, who were investigating the reported abuse. Interviews were conducted, Blessing said, and the parents were left under the impression that the case was to be considered open and shut. I think you know where this is going, folks. However, according to the complaint, the case manager returned the following Monday, this time saying the girl needed to speak to a forensic investigator without a parent present. Initially, the case manager said the children's mother could ride in the car with them on the way to the interview, but was unable to accommodate the mother's wheelchair. Well, before you make an agreement, if the mother was wheelchair-bound, don't you think you should take that into consideration? But this is DCS, after all. Instead, the couple drove separately from their children. By the time they arrived... Oh, folks, when I'm about ready to read, you're going to see where this is leading. By the time they arrived, the lawsuit says officials told them the girl had already been interviewed, not by a DCS forensic specialist, but by a male police officer. Upon learning the daughter was to be taken to a shelter, the lawsuit says the father opted to stay elsewhere rather than make the children leave the home. Okay. However, several days later, DCS filed a petition claiming they removed the children from the home with the help of law enforcement, even though the children were still at home with their mother, according to the lawsuit. Well, that's not falsifying documents, no, is it, folks? In a hearing regarding that petition, the lawsuit alleges DCS claimed the children needed to be removed from the home due to pending criminal charges against the father, even though no criminal charges had been filed. They further argued that the mother, who uses a wheelchair, was unable to adequately care for the children. Whoa, whoa. Any of you parents who have 
you know, a physical handicap and have still raised your children? Anybody calling bullshit? The family argues this is discriminatory and an ADA violation. No shit. As long as I get the job done, the mother said, so what? I have to go 50 miles or 50 steps versus 10 that somebody else can do. Who are they to say that I don't qualify to be a mother? So in other words, to be a mother, you have to be able to walk, talk, chew bubblegum, tap dance, climb mountains, do all these other things, uh, be like Tom Cruise, no harness or anything, climb a mountain, bare hand. Miss Stigton, if I were you, after the election, either way, resign. I've never seen aid agency so poorly. I mean, you fucked it up some ways from Sunday. It's like a runaway train. The children remained in state custody for roughly four months, the lawsuit says, causing them to miss Thanksgiving and Christmas with their parents. At one point, the lawsuit alleges the children were deprived of their personal belongings and even had their Bibles confiscated. Miss Digden, that's a violation of the First Amendment, you stupid bitch. And if I, if I hadn't said it, I bet some other people would say that. It wouldn't matter if it's a Bible, a Koran, or a Torah. According to statements made by both the mother and the father at a Tuesday press conference, they they able to show personal text messages from the person who made the allegations that helped prove the statements were false. According to the lawsuit, a clinician assigned to provide trauma-focused therapy also said she found no evidence of abuse. Ladies and gentlemen, this is explosive. People that actually work with CPS are actually stating no abuse happened. And I'll explain why that is significant soon. During their time in foster care, the children were able to stay at the home of a family friend. Well, at least they actually had that. The mother said, but the children are so traumatized by the experience and now have difficulty sleeping and have emotional outbursts. I'm very angry that the system that is supposed to protect your children, she said, actually abused my children. I don't blame you. It seemed that every time they were beginning to make progress, there would be another roadblock, the father said. It's just really frustrating that there's no brakes. He said, it's like a runaway train the whole way through. We want to see reform. Just days before they were to appear in court to argue the allegations were substantiated, DCS sought a voluntary dismissal of the case, according to the lawsuit. Folks... They knew they were wrong. They fucked up. They figured, okay, if we just drop this, they'll just, you know, nothing will be said. But the family, whoever this family is, if you listen to this, congratulations. Keep up the good fight. The attorney for this family, keep on fighting them. Take every, you know that $5 million? Take that $5 million. Take every fucking penny of that. They don't need it. 
now for the announcement. On Monday, I filed a lawsuit against the Indiana Department of Child Services. Now, I can't go into details until... Well, I'll just say this. There was a criminal investigation into my family's case. Evidence that DCS had, they did not turn over. Folks, this is a Brady violation under Brady v. Maryland. It appears that DCS would have had to turn over their evidence on the lawsuit. But I will tell you right now. I filed this lawsuit because it was time. I filed this lawsuit because... They will still, to this day, not state that it, their allegations were unsubstantiated. Just like all, a lot of cases out there, they're not substantiated. They have no evidence. They will not drop it. They will not go in there and admit, oh, we fucked up. That's why they have to be sued. More cases like this, more lawsuits, I believe, are going to be coming out soon. So as of now, I've got a dog in the fight. Now, I will keep you updated on the progress of this. But as of right now, it is filed. Folks, I've always told you, they're your children, not the state's. You've heard the victories. You've heard people that are actually fighting and winning. My lawsuit is the third in a year's time for against the Indiana Department of Child Services. From abuses to false allegations to withholding of evidence. I mean, three lawsuits filed in a year that should warrant a full investigation and I hope the feds do I hope the feds say hey look we're investigating all three of these we're going to find out the truth DCS can't comment on pending litigation but I'll tell you right now if I can get the other two that are, have filed lawsuits on my program, this program here, I'm going to do just that. So you can hear from them once this whole thing is said and done. They may not be able to talk about the settlement, but I'm going to see if they can talk about their case. Keep fighting out there. And the next program, I'll just tell you this. You're going to hear from a woman going to hear her story and I'm going to tell you right now it'll rip your heart out it'll really tear at your heartstrings what this woman did she moved from one state to another and went from a good situation to what we've been hearing 2020 may be 
the year of COVID, but it's also the year that the truth is finally being revealed. Whether you like President Trump or not, at least he had us do one thing. He got us to be vocal and to take action. We have four days until the election. Take action. Get to the polls and vote. And let's see if we can actually make change happen and make it rock the world. This is David Shore for Corruption of Child Protective Services. Good evening.